Well, let's get straight into our thinking point then. Yesterday, 16 civil society organizations raising their concerns with the Independent Electoral Commission on new aspects, on the aspects rather, of the new electoral amendment bill that they believe are unconstitutional. Seven aspects of the new bill have been challenged. They include the allocation of seating in the National Assembly and the ballot provision at the provincial legislature. Parliament's Portfolio Committee for Home Affairs has not given these organizations another opportunity to make further representations on the bill. Well, we were said to be joined by Dr. Michael Louis, who is a chairperson of the Independent Candidates Association of South Africa. We understand that they've been called into an emergency meeting, uh, so he can no longer make it. On the line now is Musi Maimani, leader of uh, One Movement South Africa. Musi, good morning to you. Thanks for your time this morning. Good morning and uh, good morning to fellow South Africans. When we look at um, this electoral amendment bill, there's no question about uh, the fact that it has it, it was going to face some level of contestation. But before it even has or undergoes a process of being challenged in the courts, do you think that um, the Home Affairs Committee could be doing more to accommodate further representations to the bill, given how significant it is for the future of elections in this country? Certainly. Um, I think, you know, for for citizens in this country, they would have been watching state capture. They would have listened to the report. They would be standing up right now going, well, how do we change the system so that our votes actually mean something? And I think... The, depart, uh, the, the Portfolio Committee on Home Affairs that is tasked with looking at the Electoral Amendment Bill has not responded to that question. All the Electoral Amendment Bill has done is that it said, well, the Constitutional Court said to us, public representation does not need to be through a political party, so we'll just answer that question. But the question is far deeper than that because it goes to the very heart of what democracy is which is the fact that you give a mandate to a person to represent you, whether that person is in a political party or not, is neither here nor there. But secondly, you want to be able to ensure that if that person fails at representing you, you can remove them. That is true for the president, it's true for a cabinet minister, it's true for an MP, and I feel that actually we have failed to respond to citizens at a time where, as you can look at all the challenges that we face, whether those are unemployment, etc., we failed to give citizens their voice. The, the the big issue here is really about ensuring that at the end of the day, the process of these reforms that are supposed to go into this amendment bill are seen to be truly taking on board as much of the input as possible and not rushing through the process and almost having a tick box exercise? No, certainly. Well, when you consider the fact that the constitutional court judgment was two years ago, now uh, on the 11th of June in uh, 2020, that we are having this conversation in 2022 with Parliament having requested a six-month extension to the bill tells you that in many ways Parliament went to sleep for the first year and a bit and then 
in the second half or the start of this year with six months to go, it then said, can we rush the process? And when you rush a process such as, as fundamentalism and electoral bill is concerned, you end up with laws that will not pass constitutional muster. Secondly, you end up with problems where, as you've already indicated, uh, issues such as how many ballots you need, issues such as the failure to demarcate to make sure that people can actually vote in their constituencies, and ultimately, the validity of the results then comes into question because you've got to make sure that what the people vote for is what they get. You can't say to them, well, I voted for this person, but actually I got another person because the PR proportion of the bill delivered a favorability towards political parties. And the reason you have public consultation in any law is because if you leave lawmaking only to politicians, you end up simply with solutions that favor politicians rather than also favoring citizens. And that's why civic society organizations banded together to say, let's make substantive submissions. And I met with the IEC yesterday to say to them, here are the considerations for you. You are going to have to implement uh, whatever comes out of parliament. And I can tell you what you are going to have to implement will not pass constitutional muster, let alone give us results that actually respond to the needs of citizens. Of course, one of the the concerns is that elections themselves can be quite complex, but we need them to be simple. You know, we need uh, we need every South African to be able to understand how the process works in order to effectively participate in it. Do you think that that's what we have here with the proposed amendments to the bill? Does it leave us with a system that is simple enough that everybody can understand? Well, I think that's what's going to be the difficult bit that the IEC faces, because the longer, if you pass a bill only in December the 10th, and then you go into the next year, that means the IEC has to educate the public about how to vote. And we've worked on a system at local government. People at local government understand ward representation. They know that the ward councillor lives here, I can vote for them, and then I can also vote for a party or whatever the structure they belong to. Citizens already know that. But if you don't pass a bill that even in some ways mirrors that at a national level, that says here's 200 to 200, and you give people two ballots as a debate so that they know, okay, I've got a ballot to vote directly for a person here, and I've got a ballot to do that. If you don't mirror the two so that it's easy to understand, then you are going to have to explain to people results afterwards if you only have a single ballot, as an example, if you don't have two ballots in the provincial legislature. Because remember, election, national elections are 10 elections, actually. There's one national election, and there's also nine provincial ones that happen all on the same day. And so people must know when they go vote for their people in the province to say, actually, was I given two ballots to decide I'm going to vote for this candidate who represents me directly and also vote across for a body or a structure that they belong to. And then once the results are given, I actually know that my vote was given full expression. So these are complications that I don't think Parliament has applied its mind to. I think they are going to be seriously challenging for citizens to follow once the Electoral Act is passed. And more than anything, I do think they put election 2024 in absolute jeopardy. So what I'm we are proposing is that there needs to be an electoral quota 
where we can all sit down together as South Africans, like similarly to what we did in the transitional uh, process of constitution drafting come 1994, and say, here are the things that we are going to agree on for now. Here are the things that we are going to put in a basket of issues that are mandated that we have to still discuss so that what we do in 2024, everyone understands, and what we do beyond that, we can reform to achieve accountability and democracy. If we do not do that process, I can assure you that election 2024 is going to not be free or fair or ultimately pass constitutional Musi, I want us to continue very briefly after the latest 9.30 news headlines, and it's really around the requirements uh, for independent candidates who would be able then uh, to contest the elections and uh, what it is that they'll be required to do. That's also being seen as a hindrance or an an unrealistic barrier to entry uh, for these uh, candidates. In conversation with Musi Maimani, leader of One Movement South Africa, we're talking about the electoral amendment bill. I'll take your calls 011-714-2006 That's the number to dial on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107 And Musa is standing by with your headlines Leading the conversation we continue the conversation on the talking point concerns being raised about the level extent of readiness that then we will be for the 2024 elections if we still have these big contestations around the electoral amendment bill that need to be attended to before then. If, of course, the Home Affairs Committee does not uh, allow the civil society organizations to make further representations, I'm I'm assuming, Musi, that the next step for people like yourselves may well be the courts. No, undeniably, and we'd hate to go that route because you don't want to delay the process because the last thing we need, and I want to applaud the IEC in this regard, is to have elections similar to those in 2021, where they are rushed and you change processes because then what is bound to happen, as I can assure you, you will have a replica situation and you'll end up with elections that are challenged, which means you can't govern. So we don't want that, and that's why we're being preemptive at saying, here are the problems, here we need to fix them, and that's why here's the deferral of certain issues, but you can't just leave it to political parties. If you do that, there will be only what suits them. Why is this issue of um, the 20,000 signatures that are needed for a candidate to be able to qualify uh, to contest the election, why is that seen as unrealistic? These are national elections. Well, it's 20,000 if you go by 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 what the current proposals in the bill are concerned. Now, mm-hmm. in simple terms, you think about a political party only needs a thousand. So, so firstly, how can you ask a whole political party that's got national infrastructure only to need a thousand signatures, but an individual who may want to represent the people of the Eastern Cape who lives in a particular village who wants to make sure that the issues of taverns and security and all of those things are sorted out and represent the people in parliament... Why should they have a threshold of 20,000? Like, it, 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 it means that not even a ward councillor who wins a particular ward gets more than 5,000 votes to win an election. So how do you ask people to get 20,000 just to qualify? 
So that's the first hindrance. The second is the costing of the issue. If you ask a candidate to pay the same cost as a political party, political parties benefit from political party funding. So how then do you ask an individual who then ultimately, as we've seen before, they go, they bond their houses, they participate in democracy. If you carry on like that, you are going to make democracy only available for the rich. And you do not want that because that in some ways is very, uh, it, will, it, will, it will impair citizens from being represented. I'm not saying that there should be no, no criterion for entry, but don't make it such that you are asking people to say, these criteria make it absolutely impossible for this person to be able to participate. So ultimately, you're saying it shouldn't be easier for political parties to participate in the elections than it is for independent candidates. Certainly, because there are certain benefits that are accrued to political parties anyway. So so funding, signatures, all of that are all in place. Don't The Constitutional Court's judgment said, to represent the people of this country, said Judge Madlanga, you do not need to be in a political party. In fact, that's what the Constitution says. So if we're going to give effect to the Constitution, let's not make it impossible to realize that constitutional imperative. And so to me, we must make it possible, we must make it such that, yes, there is an underlying criterion, so that you don't have a ballot paper that's got tens and thousands of people participating, and then you say, citizens, you must sift through this ballot and hope to find your person. But at the same time as that, make sure that it is enabling and able to ensure that in this criteria, it is fair to both the individual who wants to represent the public and the political party. All right, Musima Mani, let's leave it there for this morning, leader of One Movement South Africa. And as you heard, they will continue then their quest for submissions, further submissions to make those before um, committee failing, which they could well be left with no option but to go to court. And... Um, I was part of a conversation recently where uh, we were discussing um, the electoral amendment bill and just the entire process of electoral reform. And the IEC also has very interesting submissions to make about amendments to the electoral bill. And they mostly question the state of readiness from an institutional perspective to be able to effectively carry out whatever it is that parliament is going to allow and the big questions that um you know they deal with are things like what will the ballot papers look like do we even have machines in this country that can print the size of the ballot that we will need in order to get through an election um, such as what 2024 currently um, may may look like. And and I'd really love us to uh, to do a session where we also uh, get them on and, and, and have them talk about their concerns because certainly uh, after hearing what the IEC has to say from a logistical perspective, I am very skeptical about what is going to happen in 2024.